On today's show, how injury luck always plays a prominent role in shaping every football season. Before we get to that, I want to give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Biggest game of Saturday, in my opinion, is Iowa at Iowa State. I'm taking the Iowa Hawkeyes plus four and a half. Now, there are a lot of reasons for this. First of all, the game itself, an incredible Midwestern football rivalry that hands out a very bizarre, strange trophy to the winner. I am into it. Always. Special place in my heart for that style of football. In this case, it's the Cyhawk Trophy, named after Cy the Cyclone and Herky the Hawk, which when you hear that sentence spoke out loud, you understand college football is just the best. Cy and Herky on a trophy together, two teams playing for it. Now, the game itself, the Iowa Hawkeyes come in on a seven-game winning streak, dating back to last season. Six and one against the number in that time span, including week one, dump trucking Indiana 34 to six, covering that three or three and a half quite easily. Now, I always hesitate to bet against Matt Campbell, one of my favorite coaches to bet in the gambling world. However, I do not think there's a lot of difference between these two teams. Thus, we grab the 4.5 points and we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere so we can follow Herky the Hawk to untold Riches. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. A large and unfortunate part of sports is injury. Some people think that it is a skill, but only to a certain extent. A lot of other people think it's just kind of blind luck. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time and now you are injured. Part of winning a championship, however, is this. It's injury luck. It's a fact of life in every single sport. Just the simple question, who can stay healthy, determines the outcome greatly of every single season in every single sport. Within the NBA last season, we went through an unprecedented year when it comes to injuries. Um, just think about the playoffs and everything that went down within that three-month window. On the western side of the bracket, you start with the favorites there, the Los Angeles Lakers. They're playing round one against Phoenix, and Anthony Davis goes down with a hurt groin. LeBron's already playing half capacity with a hurt ankle. They're out of the playoffs. Utah Jazz, best record in the regular season, best net rating in the regular season. Mike Conley's hamstring pops in game five against Memphis. Donovan Mitchell rolls his ankle in the regular season. Comes back just in time for the playoffs in game two of that Memphis series, but he's also playing hampered much like LeBron. They're gone. Team they're playing in the second round, Los Angeles Clippers. Their best player, Kawhi Leonard, game four of that series. Torn ACL, gone. Denver Nuggets, before the playoffs even begin, their second best player, Jamal Murray, jumps up at the end of a blowout game against the Warriors, comes down funky on his knee, torn ACL, gone. That's just within the West. Uh, you, that is an incredible amount of star power gone that helped to determine just who beat who and who ended up there in the finals. On the eastern side of the bracket, it was the same thing. Whether it was the one seed, Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid, he has a notorious injury history. He's off and on throughout the playoffs, having to sit a game here or there, playing hampered the rest of the time. They lose to Atlanta. Boston enters in without Jalen Brown, their second best player. The Brooklyn Nets, the presumptive favorite on that side, the team that I think a lot of people believe would win the championship if they were healthy. Well, they weren't healthy. Kyrie rolls his ankle, 
against Milwaukee. James Harden has him, his hamstring get pulled in the same series, and then they succumb in overtime in Game 7 against the Bucks. The Atlanta Hawks, who make the Eastern Conference Finals, the ultimate wrong place, wrong time injury to their star, Trey Young, who takes a shot and a ref standing just right on the out-of-bounds line, and he kind of shuffles into him. Ankle tweaked. It actually ends up being a pretty drastic ankle injury. Uh, he has to sit. Then when he comes back, he's severely hampered. They succumb to the Bucks, who end up winning the championship, who also have the most important injury of the entire playoffs, which was to Giannis, and it was the most important because it wasn't catastrophic. You remember him jumping up for that rebound in game four against the Bucks. He comes down strangely on his knee. It hyperextends. Looks like it's going to be torn ligaments there. And the most important injury ended up being the simple fact that Giannis only had to sit for game five and game six of the Eastern Conference Finals and then came back in the NBA Finals, which is an incredible just alternate reality type scenario because everything that goes on to happen within those finals, the total Giannis coming out party, now he's being talked about as maybe the best player in the world, that 50-point closeout game, which will be iconic, which when you think about Giannis's career, I think it'll probably be number one no matter what he does. Uh, the iconic block, the iconic alley-oop that helped to decide multiple games within the series, all of that stuff is negated and can be traced back to the simple way that his knee hits the ground in game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. If it wobbles a little too much this way or this way, or I don't know how knees work, but apparently... His can go strange ways and not suffer ligament damage in a way that a lot of people's have in the past. Uh, if it extends differently, think about just how different of an offseason we are having within the NBA. Suns as champions? Probably. Doesn't seem likely that the Bucks would beat them in the NBA Finals without Giannis. Um, Chris Paul now has a ring. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton up and coming. But now they've arrived because they're champions. Giannis is sitting there as the flawed star who couldn't carry his team to the title in the past and then this year had bad injury luck and now how is he going to come back from a reconstructed knee? All that stuff is out the window simply because of just how injuries happen and how they play out. Sometimes it's catastrophic, sometimes it's not. So we now enter into the football season. College has begun, NFL begins tonight. And football is a sport where injuries play an even larger role. Obviously, it's the unfortunate nature of such a physical contact sport. So one of the biggest questions that you can't answer, you just know that it will happen throughout the season and you hope that it's not drastic to your team. Just one of the biggest questions of every NFL season is just who can stay healthy. I want to read something uh, about last year that comes from Steven Ruiz at The Ringer. According to Football Outsiders, the Buccaneers weren't just the NFL's healthiest team during the 2020 season. They were the healthiest team by a wide margin. According to adjusted games lost in the 2021 season, the Buccaneers, 30.6. Next closest, Rams at 45.6. Then Falcons, 48. Saints, 49.2. And Steelers rounding out the top five at 55.2. Tampa Bay has a pretty top-heavy roster. The Bucs are thin at most positions outside of receiver, and they're counting on a number of players on the wrong side of 30, including the 44-year-old quarterback. Depth might be the only weak point for the defending champs, and if they experience a rash of injuries, 
That could spell the end of any dreams of back-to-back -back titles, end quote. Now, to be fair, injuries will spell the end of any NFL team's season if they happen in large quantities. If you go to the bottom of that adjusted games lost metric, no team that's down there is able to withstand constant injuries across the board in their roster in a hard-capped league. That's just an impossible way of trying to play football in present day. So injury luck is always prominent. You have to be a good team first and foremost, but then you also have to have injuries kind of go your way in some way, shape, or form. So we arrive at the role of injury luck within football. You see it last year, the Buccaneers, were they an incredible talented team? Yes. Do I believe they were the best team in football by year's end? Yes. But alongside that, injury luck always plays a factor. The 30 games lost, according to this adjusted games metric, it's 15 clear of the second place team. Um, and a big part of Tampa Bay's Super Bowl run was just the simple fact that they stayed a lot more healthy than other teams. You can look at their last two games and get a sense of that. Whether it's the NFC title game, they go in to play Green Bay, and one of the Packers' strengths all season long was their offensive line. And... In that game, David Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles, if not the best left tackle in football, he's not playing. He tears his ACL right at the end of the regular season. He's gone. So what was one of Green Bay's strengths is now not a weakness, but they're trying to put together something that can stay afloat in the stead of David Bakhtiari being gone. So now they're moving Eldon Jenkins here, and they're bringing in people over here, and they're trying to piecemeal together an offensive line. And unfortunately... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not a team that you want to be coming in with weak points on your offensive line. Um, and within that game, they really struggled to protect Rodgers, especially relative to the rest of the season, when they were awesome and gave him time and it was reflected in Rodgers' MVP play. Instead, the NFC title game, uh, a large portion of that game, the story was the Bucs were able to generate a ton of pressure against Rodgers, whereas the Packers were not able to do the same thing against Brady on the other side. That helps to determine the outcome. In the Super Bowl, it's that times uh, a trillion because the Chiefs come in from the AFC side and they have a piecemealed offensive line. They've suffered three season injuries, three season ending injuries to their starters on the offensive line. Mitchell Swartz, Eric Fisher, Kletchio Semele, all gone by the time the Super Bowl rolls around. So now the Chiefs enter into that game with four spots on that line being filled by two seventh-round draft picks, one undrafted player, and one waiver-wire pickup. Which, in retrospect, it seems like it's kind of an undersold storyline heading into the Super Bowl. And I get the star power is always going to blind us, and so going into that game, we saw Brady on one side, and on the other side, we saw Mahomes. And even if you wanted to talk about the Chiefs' offensive line and the woes that maybe they could have, well... There's still Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and I'm sure Andy Reid will find a way to make this work. And instead, the story of the entire Super Bowl was that Buccaneers defensive front, the same one that gave Green Bay fits, a much better offensive line. Well, they came in and treated it like Thanksgiving dinner. It was just a feast. Vita Vea and Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, that front four just swallowed Kansas City whole. It's the worst offensive performance of the Patrick Mahomes era. Came at the worst possible times. That's why it was a 34-9 blowout, because 
Injury luck hit at the wrong time for Kansas City, and they could not cover up the fact that there was no depth along their offensive line. And to boot, they were going against one of the strengths of Tampa Bay's entire team, that defensive front. So you obviously cannot predict who is going to get injured or who is not going into every single football season. It's an unfortunate reality. They will happen. You don't really know when or how or who, but you just know that it's going to be there. There's no way we could have predicted that J.K. Dobbins goes down this preseason and leaves kind of a big gaping hole at that tailback spot for the Ravens. We don't know that Carson Wentz or Quentin Nelson are going to injure their feet less than a week apart in the preseason. And now there's a lot of question marks hanging over the Indianapolis Colts season and who's going to be ready and what they're going to look like. You never really know. Uh, it's an unfortunate aspect, again, of the sport, but it's also one that can't be predicted. So when I talk about injury luck in the context of football, I think the part that is very interesting is to look at the injury equation and say, okay, who is coming back from injury? What are they going to look like? And what is the impact that they can have on their team if they are at full strength? That part, I think, is very interesting and merits a lot of discussion coming into the NFL season. So now we're talking about the impact of good health and what effect that can have on a team when it comes to individual players. There's one player I'm going to start with when it comes to this discussion, Odell Beckham. Cleveland Browns wide receiver. When he burst onto the scene with the New York Giants, he nearly immediately became my favorite skill position player to watch in the league. Just truly an electric talent. Uh, his greatest attribute is he somehow made Eli Manning look good. Eli would throw a pass 10 yards over his head and somehow he'd catch it. Eli would throw what amounted to an underhand lob on a slant and he'd take it 80 yards to the house. Um, you remember all the iconic Odell plays in those early seasons with New York? Uh, the three-fingered snag against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football down the sideline when he plucks it out of the air on a 50-yard bomb that Eli's trying to throw into the fourth row um, or just the sheer amount of mundane slants that he would catch five yards beyond the line of scrimmage and then weave through four defenders and use that game-breaking speed that Odell brings to the table and just take it to the house. Um, again, he was my favorite skill position player to watch in the league because of that electricity that he could bring to the table. His first three seasons in the league, they were up there in the history of the sport when it comes to wide receivers. He reached 1,300 yards receiving in each of them. He had double-digit touchdowns in each of them. Truly like an iconic start to a career for a wide receiver. Spoke to this trajectory that looked Hall of Fame bound. And then within the last four seasons, some with the Giants and then the last couple with Cleveland, amidst multiple injuries, well, none of those parameters have been reached. Has not reached 1,300 yards in any season. Has not reached double-digit touchdowns in any of those four seasons. So to help illustrate this point and the role that injuries have played within this. I want to read something from Matt Williams of The Athletic. After establishing himself as a bona fide superstar with the New York Giants, Beckham has been unable to recapture the magic in Cleveland. The most notable issue has been the star wideout's injury history, which limited him to starting just seven games last season, 12 contests in 2018, and a mere two games in 2017. End quote. So all reports out of camp is 
physically, Odell looks awesome, which gets me pretty excited because there's always a part of me that wants that coming back because he's just one of the funnest players to watch in the league. And when you try to make sense of what that would mean for the Cleveland Browns team, well, that's also a very interesting equation to kind of poke at. The Browns, Super Bowl aspirations. Totally loaded roster. Um, if you want to nitpick and say, what are areas that could hold you back when you try to say, how do we be as good as the Chiefs or the Bills or other teams within our conference that are right at the top? Well, the Browns getting that old school version of Odell, that first three seasons version of Odell would be an absolute game changer because their offense, it is loaded. Credible running game, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that entire offensive line, awesome. Uh, the play action game off that with Stefanski coaching it, Baker Mayfield running off of it, Jarvis Landry underneath, Austin Hooper there. Very, very effective last year when Odell was gone. However, there's that one element that just kind of every offense would benefit from having, the game breaker on the outside that Odell was with Eli Manning, taking those slants, grabbing the 50-yard bombs with three fingers, that kind of stuff. If he can be healthy, which... Apparently he is, and he can channel that version of himself running free downfield in a way that we saw in the past. That is an incredible boost for not only this offense, but for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, another player that I think is very interesting to examine when it comes to injury and the role of good health and the possibility that that places upon this season uh, starts tonight. Dak Prescott. Dallas Cowboys going into Tampa. Uh, and he's one of the bright young quarterbacks in the league. It looked like he was in route to a career season last year before having his leg bent in strange ways against the Giants in week five. And every year he's been in the league. He's been a starter since he was a rookie. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Top half of the league uh, as far as starters are concerned, in my opinion. And he's been on the upward trend. Again, last year it looked like he may be taking that step into kind of star territory. So this year, sixth year in the league. And the Cowboys are saying, can you help transform us into the thing that we think that we are but haven't been in 20 plus years? Just a, a consistent winning football team that makes the playoffs and, and can win the Super Bowl. Um, can he overcome his own head coach? My thoughts about Mike McCarthy have been well known on this show. I do not think he is good at his job. And I think he is a hindrance to what his team, especially on offense, is always trying to do. I think he brings an archaic version of football to the table. Um, can Dak overcome that? And most importantly, when it comes to the health side of things, uh, the talk out of camp, it's not like Odell. It's not a stamp of approval. This guy looks really good physically. There's a lot of murkiness surrounding his physical ability to actually play right now, starting in week one, because the leg... I'm sure that was a, a, a big grind coming back from that. And during the course of that, maybe had to make up for it in other areas. And so his throwing motion maybe got a little funky in the offseason. And now he has a strange shoulder injury that we don't know if it's better or fine or not good. A lot of murkiness surrounding that. Apparently the Cowboys, they're talking to the Texas Rangers, the baseball team in the area, saying, this is a baseball injury. We normally don't see this in football. Can you help us out with this? Uh, which doesn't sound promising, but who knows? Um, until we see him on the field tonight against a very scary defense to try to be coming out of an injury against, we're not really going to have an answer to any of these questions. Hopefully, he's healthy, he's good to go, 
and we can see the best version of that Cowboys offense where Dak's throwing it around the field to incredible wideout trio, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Zeke's back to being good Zeke, not out of shape Zeke from last year. And the Cowboys are putting up 30 points a game. That's what I am hoping for when it comes to good health and the role that injury luck can play on this season. Same division, New York Giants. Uh, their tailback, Saquon Barkley. A big storyline as far as what will you look like coming back from injury and what impact will that have upon your team? Saquon, much in the same vein as Odell, an electric talent. Uh, when he's been healthy, a dude who is just a game breaker. He can take any touch to the house at any given time. However, suffered injuries the last two years, including last year, week two against Chicago, only plays in two games. The Giants themselves have been putrid on offense. You want to hold your nose, your stomach turns every time you see Daniel Jones sit in the pocket for eight seconds and then chuck one over the head of some unsuspecting wide receiver. What kind of boost can a Saquon or a healthy Saquon bring to that team? That is also hampered by coaching. Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, formerly the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys when he was holding back Dak Prescott. He's now coaching that offense and they're bringing a lot of the archaic things that they brought to the table when he was with Dallas. Um, can Saquon help overcome that? Can he give a boost to Daniel Jones, who is running out of time to show that he should be a starting quarterback in this league? Uh, can this offense just come out of the Stone Age in general? Um, as far as high-level team-building stuff, if Saquon is injured again or if he doesn't have a, a very successful season, is this going to be kind of the death toll for a running back being picked right at the top of the draft, whether top five, top 10, top 15. Saquon was picked number two overall by Dave Gettleman three years ago. A lot of people made fun of it because positional value of running back doesn't seem like you should ever be spending a top draft choice on it. And Dave Gettleman said, nope, we're trusting that this guy is a game-changing talent. And so we're going to draft him number two. We don't care. And for that draft slot, they have not gotten a very good return on that pick. You stay within the same conference when it comes to the impact that good health could have on a team. And I look at the team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago, San Francisco 49ers, up 10 against Kansas City, very easily could have won that game. One of the rising stars on that team, Nick Bosa. Um, no team was hammered more by injuries last year than the San Francisco 49ers. They were right at the bottom of the league in games lost. Uh, Garoppolo's going down one week. George Kittle's going down one week. Nick Bosa's going down one week. Just go down the list. Until the end of the season, it seemed like it was a team comprised fully of waiver wire pickups. Can this team recapture that form from two years ago with simple regression to the mean of injury luck? Just league average injury luck. And this team seems like it's a playoff team. With good health like the Buccaneers had last year, there's a very easy pathway. Not easy, but there's a very simple pathway to understand where this team could win the Super Bowl. Um, one of the players that would be spearheading that is Nick Bosa. Catalyst on their defensive side of the ball. One of the brightest up-and-coming stars in the entire league who only played two games last year. Went down week two just like Saquon. Um, how much better can Nick Bosa be than his rookie season when he was one of the catalysts for that Super Bowl defense? when he looked like one of the best players on the defensive side in all of football, and he was only a rookie, how much better can that guy be with seasoning and understanding and training and all those things that just help NFL players grow? 
when he was one of the most disruptive forces in the entire NFL, how much better can he be? And alongside that, what does that mean for the San Francisco 49ers on defense and as a team, much like the Browns, with Super Bowl aspirations? I could talk about this for all of time, but I don't want this show to be four hours long, and so I'm going to cap it with one more player. The player who I mentioned earlier, the left tackle for my favorite team, David Bakhtiari, Green Bay Packers, an enormous cloud hanging over the Packers in their last dance season. Uh, is, it seems like the band's back together for one last run, and Rodgers is going to leave, and there's a lot of pressure on this team to win the Super Bowl right now. Well, big cloud hanging over that is David Bakhtiari and his reconstructed knee. Uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, one of the big strengths of last year's squad, offensive line. The strength of that line, this pillar at left tackle, one of the best in the game, David Bakhtiari, who could hold his own against all these incredible pass rushers in football. Nick Bosa, Vaughn Miller, Miles Garrett, you go down the list. The Packers felt very comfortable putting him in a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations that other teams can't afford to do because not a lot of teams have a left tackle as talented as him. However, he tears his ACL between the Week 16 game against Tennessee and the Week 17 game against Chicago. He's currently on the physically unable to perform list for Green Bay. Seems like he's probably coming back, I don't know, mid-season-ish, but we don't fully know. Um, a big question for Green Bay is, first, at what point of the season does he come back, period? Uh, and second probably even more importantly, when he does, what does Bakhtiari look like when he returns? It's asking a lot to have somebody come back in week eight after they have not been getting game reps and they're trying to trust in a reconstructed knee and say, go and take Miles Garrett by yourself or go and take Von Miller by yourself. So what does he look like when he comes back? What is his health like? And just what version of Bakhtiari are we getting relative to the past? That answer is, will go a long, long way in determining the Super Bowl fate of Green Bay. So these are just five of the players that I'm intrigued by when it comes to the impact that their health can have on the football team coming into the season uh, that I hope is is good because all these players are immensely fun to watch. And, and again, every roster has five players that you could go and do this same topic of discussion about uh, the impact of good health it will affect every single team in football in this season so now it starts tonight very exciting time cowboys buccaneers everybody goes on sunday and then one game on monday football at the professional level will finally be played and along with it just this very simple question will hover over everything Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.